in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Whew. Oh, man. What are you doing here? Why are you here? It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful day outside. I mean, why? Outside of habit, I guess, for some of us. Why are you here? Now, I'm committed to this church thing, if you didn't know. Um, but I can't tell you how many times over the last 12 and a half years as a pastor, I've had to ask myself, what is this all for? Like, what are we doing? Is it worth it? I mean, some of you, I, I realize you probably had to fight with that question as you tried to get out of bed this morning. Um, I mean, I, I, I get it. And for, for some of you, like, maybe, like, okay, Jesus, I'm intrigued by this guy, but like, the church? Really? Because in this room, many of us have been hurt by the church at some point. We've all wondered at its effectiveness, gotten bored occasionally. I know, I get it, sorry. And yet here we are, is this, is this really what Jesus had in mind? I mean, combine that then even with the fact that even Jesus left the church. Like, how did that conversation go? Like, I mean, you just, you just picture with his disciples, okay, hey guys, I want you to do this thing, um, hear me out. Yeah, I know it sounds hard. Yes, I know it sounds impossible. I, I get it. Yes, no, yes. Okay, you got it. I'm out, right? Like, that, that's the conversation, and he leaves. And, and you and I have been doing some version of this for 2,000 years. And our history is one of fits and starts, big mistakes, and bigger mistakes. And yet at the same time, the church also started the world's very first hospitals, orphanages, homeless shelters, food banks, universities. It was the birthplace of human rights. The very first place where those things were promoted and spread out beyond our world. And 2,000 years later, the church is found in nearly every country, every language, every race, every kind of person. No institution has ever been larger 
or more shockingly, more diverse. I mean, it's not just the size, right? It's the fact that it, it, it's for everyone, everywhere. I mean, nothing even com- comes close to the diversity that's found in the global church. But why? I mean, people, what are we doing here? Well, we can't understand why without understanding our story, the church's origin story. How did it start? How did it get to to this here today? Which is why today and for much of 2018, I'm not going to tell you how long because I don't want you to get bored already. Um, But for much of this year, uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts asking the question, who are, who are we supposed to be? How did we get here? And what, what is the church supposed to look like? And not just the church, this building, but us individually and collectively. What are we supposed to do? And Acts, uh, it's an easy book to overlook, okay? So it's in your New Testament. It's after the Gospels, before you get to the epistles, like the letters from Paul and those kinds of things in the New Testament. And it's easy to overlook. It's fascinating. The stories are incredible. I'd encourage you to, to dive in and start reading it, but it's so easy to skip. Because uh, we love the Gospels, like all the stuff about Jesus. That's why we spent so long in, in Matthew, right? 58 weeks uh, over the last couple of years studying Matthew. It's so important to get that right. And we love, we love the epistles, right? These letters from people like Paul telling us how to live. They're practical and, and all that. But Acts, like if we miss Acts, it'd be sort of like uh, watching Star Wars and then Return of the Jedi, but no Empire Strikes Back, right? You with me? You'd be like, I mean, why is Han frozen? Um, what's this weird relationship between Luke and Darth Vader? I mean, it'd be just like that, right? Um, okay, maybe not just like that, but who are we? What are we? Well, here's what we see today, and, and really as we begin this, this series in Acts, all throughout, we'll see this over and over again. There's a lot of things that we could say of what the church ought to be and do, who we are, but at the very least, what we see first off in this new story is that we are a people who have been sent we have been sent. We have been sent to Olathe, to, to Kansas City. You have been sent to your family, your workplace, your school, your street, all of it. None of it is incidental. And even to the whole world, for we have been sent. Okay, so maybe that Sounds a little cloud cuckoo land to some of you. Um, but it's what, it's what we find in our origin story right out of the gate. So let me read again chapter 1, verse 1 in the book of Acts. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. We'll have it on here uh, as well um, for you. But right, here's how it begins. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, we're probably, some of us at least, confused already. Okay, this, like in the first book, so is this like Acts the sequel? Who's this guy, Theophilus? Why don't we start with the first Acts, right? Uh, maybe we're asking those questions. Well, let me try to explain just quickly here. So this doctor, he's a doctor, a medical doctor, slash missionary, named Luke, uh, is, is writing this for us in the first century. Okay, so he, he's doing that. It's, he's the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke a few pages earlier in our Bibles. That's Volume 1, when he talks about that. Volume 1 is about the life, death, and resurrection of of Jesus, right? It's what Jesus began to do. It was addressed to Theophilus as well, and it's what Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, Volume 2 is what Jesus does next, and what he does through the acts of his apostles, through ordinary people like like you and me. It's what Jesus continues. It's, It's that ongoing mission. Now, 
Theophilus. Like, we don't know who that guy was, honestly. It's, it's hard, hard to piece that one together. But regardless, God has given us these books to show us who we are. So again, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, this is, this is really important because Luke begins his gospel very similarly, uh, attempting to root his story in actual history. Like he wants Theophilus and us to know, like, I've done my research on this. I've talked to people. I'm one of the eyewitnesses, and I've talked to other eyewitnesses. Like he, he wants us to know this isn't like once upon a time stuff for Luke, but people who saw it. And it's all centered for Luke and for us on the resurrection like, I mean, for Luke and, and for me, for you, right? If Jesus rose from the dead, then everything changes. If he didn't rise from the dead, then, like, why are we even here, right? It all, it all centers upon that for the church. And so the, the apostles then, uh, they're major players in this story. Luke wants us to know, he reminds us, they saw Jesus alive. They saw him die, and they saw him alive again. And not just the 12, but 500 eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And yet, and don't miss this, I love this, yet, yet Jesus had to convince them, right? By many proofs. Like, I just love to know, like, guys, I'm here. Like, like I'm here. Like, I mean, how many times did he have to say that? Uh, I don't know what it was like exactly for him to convince them. Uh, but it's, it, it, I love that because sometimes we, we tend to think, I tend to think, you know, those people back then, you know, uneducated, superstitious, a bunch of idiots. They'd believe anything, right? I mean, we're, we're such historical snobs, aren't we? We think we finally arrived and everybody else was dumber than us, right? We just, we assume that. And, and yet, I mean, here, like, nobody believes in resurrection. Not easily, right? Not them, not us. And Luke doesn't just want us to swallow it whole. But they saw it. And it changed our world. And, and so here's the, the first thing that we learn. And we'll see this all over as we study Acts. Yes, we have been sent. We've been sent as witnesses. As witnesses. As people who saw something. I mean, don't, please don't miss this. Christians, the church, you and I, we together, we haven't been sent out with our opinions or our hopes and dreams. We haven't been sent with a bunch of rules or morals or our agenda. It's not good advice. It's good news. The church is about what we have seen. And so, and so for me, personally, I am not a Christian simply because the Bible tells me so. And you guys know how I love the Bible, right? We as a church, we're, that's everything. For, we, it's important. Like, but that's not, that's not it, though. I'm a Christian because they saw something and it changed everything. 500 people. They saw this man who was dead and he was alive again and we have their testimony written down for us and it continues to change everything. And I've, I've experienced just a taste of that and it's changed me. Which makes me a witness. 
Now, of course, if you've been in church any length of time, you probably hate that word witness about as much as I do. Oh, it's a, I mean, so much baggage, right? Conjures up all these images of these really awkward conversations where you're like forcing yourself on people. And, you know, it's just, it's like, it's terrible, isn't it? Some of the things that we, that we think with that. Or you, maybe you just feel guilt or shame because you don't witness enough. You don't tell others enough about Jesus. But here's, here's the thing. Being a witness, it's not about having all the answers, It's not about winning arguments or putting people in their place, and it certainly cannot come with arrogance or judgmentalism. Being a witness, people, it's it's that we've been given a glimpse. I mean, sure we have our doubts. So did they, and they saw him. And yet we've, we've seen something, haven't we? A new reality breaking into the old. Instead of a reality dominated by anger, abuse, loneliness, depression, disappointment, and ultimately sin and death, right? Instead of that reality, which we all know so well, right? Something new has begun. That's this kingdom that, that Luke mentioned for us. And we've been see, sent as witnesses. Have you seen it breaking in? And if so, if that describes you, then as witnesses, people who have seen something, our lives should look different because of this new reality. Our families, our work habits, our relationships, the way we understand money and sex and power, like everything now is different. You and I, we should stand out, right? We should be weird, like different because this, the ideals that, that Jesus has called us to, everything changes in this new reality. People should notice. And we tell others what exactly it is we've seen, what we've experienced, how it's changed us, and how they can be changed as well. So we've been sent as as witnesses. But that's not all. Go back to the story here. So again, Jesus, he tries to to prove to the apostles that he's, that he's really alive. Guys, it's me. Um, which, by the way, Easter this year is on April Fool's. Don't overthink it. Um, and, and so, you know, this is like Jesus' last time with his, his disciples. And they've seen him alive, and he, they, he's convinced them that, yes, there he is. The one who is dead is now alive. And, and he, he promises them, he tells them, wait, wait here, the Holy Spirit is coming. We'll see that next week and all that that means for them and for us. And, and so they've just had this incredible experience, right? They've, they, I mean, imagine what it was like to be them. And then in verse 6, their response. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? I mean, guys, come on. Like, how, how small is your hope that this is, like, he just defeated death, and that's all you can think. I mean, essentially, he's asking Jesus, like, when are you going to make Israel great again? I mean, it's great about everything else, but, like, when are you going to do that? And it's, it's not that that's unimportant. They're, they're Jewish, yes, and that makes sense, given the Old Testament and the story that God is telling with his people, but it shows their hope is still so small. It's still about them, their people, their little, their little in-group. And so Jesus says, guys... He's so patient, isn't he? Verse 8 is like, if you want power, like if you want a kingdom, if that's what you're looking for, I've got a power that you know nothing about, a power that looks unlike anything the world has ever known. Not a power of taking, not a power of authority, like rulership, but verse 8, you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, I just, I, I love imagining this moment. Like, okay, Jerusalem. All right. I mean, we're, we're here now, so that's not that big of a deal. And we love Jerusalem. I mean, Jerusalem is a big deal. Fine, Jesus, we got it. Jerusalem. And Judea. Okay, the rest of Israel. I mean, it's, it's a, that's a little bit of work, but I mean, you know, there's 12 of us. We got this. Fine, fine. And then, oh, and, and Samaria. Uh, Jesus, you know we hate those people, right? Like, we, we want nothing, like, other side of the tracks. Like, these are, like, no, right? And yeah, Jesus says, yeah, yeah, them. And pretty much everywhere else on planet Earth, right, is what he says. Which, I mean, the disciples, they didn't have any idea how big the earth was at that time, right? And it's not even just that the, that, that the ask was too big, uh, this, this task, this ask that Jesus is giving them. Um, it's that, it's not even desirable. It's like, to the Gentiles? I mean, that's a non-Jewish person, so I'm guessing most of us in this room, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, you want us to go to them? They had no category for this. And yet, essentially, this is exactly what we'll see in Acts. In fact, some have pointed out that this is a kind of a rough outline of the entire book that they do. They go to Jerusalem, and then it spreads to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to us. I mean, how else do you explain that you and I, 2,000 years later, 6,500 miles away of different ethnicity, race, culture, and background, that you and I are here today? That we still believe this story. It's because he sent them to us. To all. And you and I are still sent to all. That's the second thing. Sent as witnesses and sent to all. Some people tend to think that the church is exclusive, right? You know, who's in and who's out. Um, and sadly, some have made it so, right? You have to, to look a certain way. You have to act a certain way. Once you check a few boxes, then maybe we'll, you know, we're accepting applications kind of thing, right? And even though I don't think many of us in this room would say that, if we're honest, many of us prefer it that way, right? We tend to have our list of people we wouldn't want to be sitting by right now. And yet the church is meant to be the most inclusive place on the planet. It is for everyone. Unlike anything, anywhere, ever before in history. No exception. And Luke's, Luke will hi highlight this all throughout as we, as we study in Acts. That, that the church is for, for women significantly. And, and how, how brand new that was in a culture like that in the first century. And it's, it's for Jews and Gentiles. It's for the poor and the rich. It's for outcasts. Like the people nobody likes. And for the powerful. That it's, it's for religious people and for sinners. And in the book of Acts... They all end up in this thing together called the church, worshiping Jesus. I mean, historians will, will show us, like, this is the first time that this, anything has, like this has ever happened in the history of the world. Like, before this moment, everybody always stayed in their own group. I mean, it's what we drift towards, right? We, we continue to do that even now, but back, back then, there's no way. And yet, by the end of this story, 
There is an, a group of people breaking bread together, loving one another, sharing their needs together, praying for one another that no one could have ever even imagined coming into the world like that. But it happens in the church. William Temple once said, the Christian church is the one organization in the world that exists purely for the benefit of non-members. Like we don't exist for us, right? That's a hard thing to swallow, right? But I like my thing, right? But no. We are about equipping you and equipping me to go and do this work outside these walls. That we exist for your, for your neighbors, the people at your construction site or your classroom, your family, your friends, your close relationships. That's why we're here. We're, we exist for people who want nothing to do with Jesus. People who, if you were honest, you're kind of glad they're not here. Or you don't think they'd ever fit. They'd never want to do this, right? The people that we dismiss. That's exactly who we're sent to. And everyone in between. A church that's only for us is no church at all. We are sent as witnesses to everyone. And so the disciples, I mean, they're just dumbfounded in this moment. And, and I love, like, before they can argue or whine or ask any follow-up questions, I mean, by everyone do you mean, I mean, before they can do that, verse 9, and Jesus, when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. You know, drops the mic, and he's, he's out, right? He leaves. Hey, guys, there's this impossible task I want you to do. It's going to be fine. You'll have fun. Don't worry about it. I'll be back. You know, don't blow it. Does it... <laughs> Just can't imagine what that scene is like, right? What exactly happened there in that moment? Well, this is, this is strange. Uh, I mean, it's hard to get our mind. Like, what, what happened? Why? It's called the ascension, that Jesus ascended into heaven. Um, and it's, it's puzzling to say the least, but it's important. And actually, it's really quite beautiful. Because even, even though it looks like Jesus has abandoned us, that he's, that he's done, okay? I mean, come on, Jesus, we need your help. This actually means that he is always with us. And that's, that's the third thing. Sent as witnesses, sent to all people, sent with Jesus. Not simply in his place, but with him. That even though it feels like he's left, we haven't been sent out alone. And so what, is it, what does it mean that Jesus ascended into heaven? Yeah, we don't understand all, but what are the implications of this? Well, there's quite a few, actually. I mean, first of all, it means he's alive. Like today, right now, he's not dead and buried somewhere. He didn't live until ripe old age. And then, you know, I mean, that he's, he's alive. It means he's our advocate. That he, even now, this moment, stands at the, at the side of the Father, saying, saying about all who believe, this one belongs to me. Declaring your forgiveness, our redemption. It means he'll return. He's not powerless. He hasn't forgotten about us. It means that he's present with us all over the world in ways he could never have been with us had he stayed. In fact, we'll see next week that it's in his leaving that he sends out the Holy Spirit 
to empower us, to strengthen us, to give us hope, to confirm that we are his children, and, and that God himself dwells within all who believe. It also means that he's in charge. I mean, the, the image of Jesus that we should have right now, it's not of a, a baby wearing his golden fleece diapers, right? It's not of a, a good teacher or a carpenter or even a man on a cross. I mean, that's, that's why this is empty. And with all due respect to my Catholic brothers and sisters, right? The, he's not there anymore. The image that we now have is of Jesus, the one who defeated sin and death and hell, reigning over all. And even though we haven't experienced that reign fully yet, that he will come, he will establish that. And he will make all things new. That he is our king. Which is the only way any of this is even remotely possible. I mean, if you're thinking, like, well, how could, how could God send me, right? I'm no, I'm no witness. Ugh. Or us. We're, we're lousy. Well, Jesus is with you and he's in charge. Or maybe you're thinking, well, I, I can't love everybody. I, can't even, I don't even like most people, right? I understand. Um... Jesus is with you, and he's in charge. Or, or we doubt if the church could actually do anything about racism or abortion, hatred or loneliness, or, or that person you've been praying for for a long time that they'd actually become a Christian. If Jesus is king, what do we have to lose? What do we have to fear? How can we not be who he's called us to be? So the disciples, yeah, I'm still sure, dumbfounded. But the next thing they do, they pray. As the chapter continues, they devote themselves to prayer. They, they pursue unity. They, they replace Judas. Remember him? Like, he was one of the 12. He betrayed Jesus, killed himself. Um, they replace him. Well, why? Why does, why does that matter? Well, because this, this idea of 12 disciples and these 12 tribes of Israel, it's, it's symbolic that God is doing something new with his people in redemption. And next week they go. Yeah, okay, but that was 2,000 years ago. What about us? What about now? We'll have, we'll have months to unpack this, but for now, I've been wrestling with two questions. Okay, we've been sent. We've been sent. Okay, fine. Well, where is God sending us? And where is God sending you? I mean, first of all, just even as a church, what does this, what does this mean for us to embrace? What are we doing? Why, why are we here? Why has God put us in a way? Why are we building all that all the time? And what, what is that for? Like, I mean, we said from the very beginning, right? it's, not, it's not for us. We've said that. It's not so we can have a little more elbow room, though we could use it. Okay? It's not so we get a few more amenities as a church. We are building for the people who aren't even here yet. For my neighbors and yours, for your classmates, family members. Because we believe that Jesus has sent us to Olathe. And to reach this, this neighborhood, this community, we want to be a place. We want to have space for our neighbors. And we want space in this home of ours, as well as in our hearts, to love those who are different from us, those we don't know yet, those who will become our friends, we hope. That's why we're doing that. That's why we, why we plant churches. People ask that often. Like, why do we do that? That's why we're still, we're still planting our Shawnee Mission Campus, right? We're three years into it, but that's, that is hard work. We believe God has sent us there to be his church in that place. It's why we're passionate about the work of our partners here in Olathe, like Mission Southside, or across the country, or across the globe. Partners in, in Rwanda, and Kenya, and China, and Germany, and the Middle East. It's why, it's why we want so badly as a church to equip you for Monday, and, and for all of life. Like, 
Our mission as a church, I hope you know this, or I'm going to say it anyway just to make sure, but like our mission as a church is not to have a nice service on Sundays. I mean, you know that, right? Like, if that's it, that's my job, I'm, I'm out, okay? I quit. Like, if you think the value of, a, of the church is simply what we do for one hour every week, we are wasting our time, people. Yes, this is important, this matters. But we as a church, it matters only in so much as it equips you and and inspires you, pushes you out to be the church in every place around you. That yes, the church, we gather for encouragement, instruction, and hope. But we are sent out, scattered beyond. And you're the church everywhere. That's our mission. That's our second question, right? Where is God sending you? Because if, you if you're with Jesus, you are the church everywhere you go. You are his presence in this world. You are his redeeming force. You are the one to whom he said, go do this. Make disciples. Spread my, my love, my goodness, my hope across the world. God has sent you. The street you live on, it's not an accident. Your office, everything that you touch, every area of influence that you have, Jesus himself, the one who loves you, who gave his life to redeem you, who empowers you by his spirit, who sits now at the right hand of the Father, ruling over us. He has put you there. Just imagine if every Christian in this room actually believed that. Imagine the way it would change the way we work, the interactions that we have, the kind of neighbors we'd be, the kind of parents we'd be. He has sent you. Yeah, I know, I know. Church is ugly sometimes. Ineffective, boring. I get it. Believe me, I get it. I practically live here, okay? So I know. But I also know that nothing, nothing can stop it. For for Jesus promised back in in the gospel of Matthew, he said to his disciples, I will build my church and not even the gates of hell shall prevail against it. And we we still see the fulfillment of that promise. Even now, 2,000 years later, it's messy, but it's his. Jesus gave his life for her. He, He defeated death and sin and hell to empower her, us, to do this work. And you and I are living proof that Jesus meant what he said. And he's not done yet. For the book of Acts, it's still being written. I mean, no, we're not going to add a few pages to our Bibles. Don't freak out, right? But the story continues. Like, you and I are a part of that story. It, It continues to move forward with us all over the world today. Every continent, nearly every language, every ethnicity, every kind of person, everywhere. And you and I, even here in this tiny corner of Kansas get to be a part of it. We have been sent. God help us. Let's pray. Father, this mission is just too big. What what you've called us to, what you ask us to, we can't do it. Um, It is out of our grasp without your help. And so, Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you have not left us, even though it seems like you have sometimes that you empower us through your spirit, that you sit now at the right hand of the Father and that we can trust you. And so God, I pray that you would expand our hearts, 
our imaginations, our efforts, our joy in this task of being sent into our world. For your glory we pray. Amen. Now as we go from being the church gathered to the church scattered, hear this benediction. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.